Um, many people, they are fans of Jesus in today's culture. Jesus remains relatively popular, but the church, <laughs> church not so much. Um, even people who are followers of Jesus aren't always fans of the church. It is not uncommon to think, well, I don't need the church to believe in Jesus. And that mindset kind of goes, I can have a relationship with Jesus and being a part of the church, that's eh, optional. Now, there are a lot of reasons for a negative view of the church. You know, the church can be judgmental or it can be boring, it isn't any fun, or the church can seem irrelevant. Now, there's a true saying about the church. The church isn't the building. The church is the people. And that is completely true. Yet, I'm not really sure that that helps us because it's the people who cause the problems. It's the people who are judgmental and maybe not fun or maybe sometimes seem irrelevant. As another saying goes, I love the church, it's the people that bother me. Or the church would be great without the people. Um, now that I've given a critique of the church from a negative point of view, I want us to look at a passage of scripture that gives a biblical view of the church. Uh, the scripture for this morning is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Uh, go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Ephesians is about halfway through the New Testament, or you can look it up on your phones. Uh, in this passage, the Apostle Paul compares the church to a building. Now again, the church is the people, not a building, yet Paul compares the church, the people, to a building, specifically a temple. Our scripture reader for this morning is Madison Brubaker, and so Madison, if you can make your way on up to the front. As she does, if you are able, please stand and face the center of the room. Um, we read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is central to us. It is the primary lens for our faith and life. And we stand because we believe this is the word of God. And so, Madison, whenever you're ready, please read from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, too, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Madison, thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, we are presently in a church building. This room, we call it the worship center. Now, what is the difference? What's the difference between a church building and a temple? We are in the worship center. How is that different from being in a temple? The difference between a temple and this worship center is that in a temple it is believed that that is a place where a special presence of God resides. Now we believe that God is in this room with us because again, we believe God is everywhere. But God's presence in a temple is different than God's common presence everywhere else. In a temple, and it doesn't matter, the faith background of the temple, many different faiths have temples. In a temple, it is believed 
that a special manifestation of God's presence resides. In a temple, it is believed that God's presence is not like God's presence anywhere else. The difference is all about presence. Now, speaking of presence, my family has a new presence. Uh, My grandson, Leo Alexander, was born almost three weeks ago. I have pictures. I have pictures. Okay, here's the first picture. See, you think he's adorable. I'm not sure it's because of him or because of that outfit, right? Okay, that's my grandson in a cheese head. So, of course, the first picture I'm going to show you is of him sporting Packers gear. Now, the Packers are terrible this year. He doesn't know that. All right. Um, Now, here's a picture of him sleeping and a picture of him awake. Uh, And next, we have a picture of him with his parents. Uh, It's Peyton and Wyatt. They are doing a great job parenting. Next, we have a picture of him with his grandparents. There's Shannon holding him and me holding him. Uh, Shannon has not decided what she's going to be called. I'm going to be called Papa. Um, uh, Next picture, uh, we have a picture of him sleeping, and it looks like he's snoring there. I'm not sure which grandparent he gets that from. And if you look at his hand in the other picture, uh, you'll notice he's making the rock on sign. So that's giftedness right there. Um, here are uh, two more pictures, one of him asleep, one of him awake. I really like that picture of him awake there on the right. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how many pictures is he going to show? <laughs> now, I promise that I won't be one of those grandparents who all they do is show pictures of their grandkids, you know, the kind that always have a grandchild story to tell, and they're more than happy to tell it, and if they show you one picture, they're going to show you a hundred pictures, okay? Um, <laughs> I promise I won't do that. I might show you 59, but I won't show you 100, okay? Now, it's one thing to show pictures. It's another thing to be in his presence. There is something about the presence of a newborn baby that even 100 pictures can't capture. There is power in presence. And going back to the temple as a place of God's presence, Well, we don't believe that this room is a temple. God is present in this room just like everywhere else, but this room isn't a temple. So what about God's special manifestation for us? Where does God dwell? The passage is talking about God putting together a community of faith. God is putting together those who are outcasts and makes them members of his household. Going back uh, to verses 19 and 20 in the passage where it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. God takes those who are foreigners and strangers and brings them into his household, household built upon the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. And he makes the stranger a fellow citizen in the household. Now, God doesn't just do this once and then he's done. God is always adding to his household. And TFRC is one expression of it. And every time God adds to this household, he changes it. And every new addition changes the household. My household has been changed with the arrival of Leo Alexander, but not just Leo. His father, Wyatt, is a part of our household too. One's a stranger, now a member. 
Now we have people today who are becoming a part of this household. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of this community of faith. And so we have people who are making a commitment to Christ or reaffirming their faith in Christ, and in so doing are becoming a part of this community. And this moment is important to me because it reminds me that God is actively at work in real lives, real people who we meet and get to know. I need to see and hear about how God is at work in transforming lives. It renews and strengthens my faith. So this moment really matters to me. Scripture says that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Again, these new members are God's latest additions to our household of faith. God is putting together our community of faith. And God's presence, God's presence is in the community of faith. Paul, in this passage, uh, he switches metaphors. He originally calls us God's household. But then he switches and he calls us the whole building. Now, the church, again, is the people, not the building. Yet Paul compares the people to a building, but not just any building. If we go back to verse 21, where it says, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. He says we are a holy temple. And what's so special about a temple? Well, a temple is where the presence of God dwells. Yes, God is everywhere, but in a temple, a special manifestation of God takes place. In the Old Testament, King David's son, King Solomon, builds the Lord a temple to dwell in. And after it is finished, Solomon prays as part of the consecration of the temple. And after he prays, this happens in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good, his love endures forever. The temple is finished, fire from heaven comes down, the glory of the Lord fills the temple. The priests can't enter it because of the God's glory. And the Israelites see the fire, they see the glory and they worship and declare, he is good. His love endures forever. God is everywhere. But in the temple, the Israelites encounter a special presence of God, a presence they won't encounter anywhere else. Now, every now and then, you know, I hear how we can encounter God in nature. I can encounter God when I go hiking or fishing or biking or boating. And I totally agree with that. That I can encounter God's presence in nature because God is everywhere. But that is not where you will find a special manifestation of God's presence. That is not where God dwells. Paul says about the community of faith, we are built to be a holy temple. In other words, when the community of faith gathers, that is where God dwells.
You cannot find God's special dwelling out in nature. That is not how God works. God dwells among his people. God dwells in our gathering right now. God dwells when we gather at summer serve. God dwells when we gather at the mustard seed. God dwells when we gather in small groups, in our heart-to-hearts, our four-by-fours, our Bible studies, when our men gather, when our women gather, when our kids uh, and youth go to camp, whenever and wherever God's people gather, that is God's temple. And that is where God dwells. God doesn't reside in a building. God doesn't reside in nature. He resides in his people. God dwells in us. In our giftedness and faithfulness. And God dwells in us in our weaknesses and sin. Our community of faith is both wonderful and flawed at the same time. And regardless, it is in us that God chooses to make his dwelling. So, if we want to have a special encounter with God, a special manifestation of his presence, we must be connected to his people whether it is in this community of faith or another one. And we can encounter the power of God in the community of faith. Going back to verse 22. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. A dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God is continually building this place with every new member who joins us. And in the community of faith, we find our purpose and function in Christ. As Paul will write later in the same letter, Ephesians chapter four. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I have seen, I have seen the power of God in this community of faith using the gifts Christ has given us to build up one another in the faith, rallying around each other when we need support and encouragement, holding each other accountable when we need to be corrected, coming together to meet a need in the community, uniting around one another in our missions, giving guidance and instruction and wisdom to those not sure what to do. You know, from time to time, when someone is diagnosed with a serious health crisis, the elders will gather around them on a Sunday morning to pray, like we did with Jason last week. And the person will share what they are facing, and we will anoint them with oil, lay hands on them, and pray for them. And every time we do it, it is a powerful spiritual moment. I can't quite explain it, but I can almost feel God's presence and comfort. 
So if we ever find ourselves in a serious health crisis, we can go out in nature and search for God's presence, go hiking, boating, fishing, and we can pray while we do those things, and God will hear us. He is everywhere. Or, come talk to me. I'll gather the elders, and we will anoint you with oil, lay hands on you, and pray for you. And you will experience the dwelling of God in ways you can't anywhere else. And because this community of faith is made up of people, we are flawed and sinful. We are not a perfect community. But we have been gifted and are a dwelling for God's Spirit. And I have seen the power of God in this community of faith using the gifts Christ has given us to build up one another in the faith, we are a temple that God himself has built and is continuing to build to be a place where God dwells so that anyone can come and experience the power of God's special presence. Please pray with me. And Lord, we do thank you for your presence amongst us. How you have built us to be your dwelling place. And Lord, I would ask that you would help us see past our flaws, weaknesses, and sin. And Lord, see your presence in and amongst us. And Lord, help us to be a place, to be a community that is a temple where wherever we go, wherever we gather, others would experience the power of your presence. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.